Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is season eight, episode seven. Today on the podcast, we have my friend, Tyler Wells. Tyler is a manager for YouTubers. And so we're going to have an interesting conversation with him. In fact, one of the people that he manages, Maddie Hapoya, was on the very first season of this podcast. And now Maddie is over a million subscribers. So we're going to have a very interesting conversation with Tyler today. Thank you so much to the sponsors, Compassion Canada, amazing people doing justice work. And we're doing a partnership for the month of June to raise money. We have four, we're supporting 40 people in a local church who serve 400 kids. Kids, and we need $4,000 to help them build a sport and learning center. So we're asking if you would give $40. So that's uh, compassion.ca slash WMD. The link's in the show notes, but more on them later. Of course, also we are wanting to thank our other sponsor, the Canadian Bible Society's new podcast, Scripture Untangled. This is a podcast all about how we wrestle with the scriptures. So more on them later as well. But all of this content you can find on our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed there, if you haven't hit subscribe on the podcast here, it's so you don't miss when new episodes come. If you're not subscribed, you may be checking out this episode, but you may miss uh, future ones or uh, they may just slip your mind to come back and check. And we're bringing out, of course, new content every single week. So we'd love to uh, find you there. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about Tyler. He is described as a holistic business thinker, marketer, and a creator manager. Did you even know that was a job? A creator manager. He helps creators, entrepreneurs, and brands rest in their identity, think through their strategy, and move forward in their tactics so that they're personally healthy, professionally confident, and tangibly hitting their goals. How's that for a job description? So please enjoy this conversation with my friend, Tyler Wells. Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Tyler Wells, welcome to Word Made Digital. Yes, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Digitally. Uh, I feel like, yeah, it's about time. I feel like, yeah, we just live down the street from each other, but we're doing this over video conference. Uh, it's about time I have you on the podcast. Yeah, let's do it. You know, pod, or, uh, pandemic times, I think sometimes it's just easier. I, we live down the street, but just let's, let's do Zoom. <laughs> we're <laughs> That's used it. to it. Well, then neither, of us had, neither of us had to, you know, dress presentably. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we go too far, can you give us a little introduction or like give us some context, your current context. And then I, at some point I'll want to get a bit of history on you. Maybe we'll do that next. Yeah. Um, I just recently did an identity statement for myself. So let's see if I remember it correctly. Um, but I, I've started thinking of myself as a holistic business thinker and I manage uh, YouTubers or creators. Um, So what I really want to do is help them rest in their identity, think through their strategies and move forward in their specific tactics so that they're personally healthy, professionally confident and tangibly hitting their goals. Or did I say that? Uh, Yes, that's, that's right. So say that again, personally confident. You want their, your, what you're trying to achieve for them is confidence uh, yeah, I want them personally healthy, professionally confident, healthy, right, and tangibly hitting their goals. Um, huh. And what I found working in the YouTuber creator space, uh, managing, uh, I, I manage Maddie Hapoy. He's got over a million subscribers, um, and him and I together have started uh, mentoring. Is the best word that we've found to describe what we do. Um, uh, a handful of other YouTubers who um, might be really talented on the creative side of things, but uh, are lacking in the business foundations or business skill or some of the low hanging to medium hanging fruit uh, around monetization. So we help them um, build out, uh, you know, a bit of a business plan, a business model for their particular um, niche within their following um, and, and yeah, help them along that. And I, th- I think one of the big things that I've come to realize working in this space for a few years now is YouTube and the social media space has a big, um, a big uh, negative association with it 
um, from the outside. So you, you think of a YouTuber, you think of a influencer is kind of the, the older language for it. And you just think of these people who think they're, you know, better than everyone else. And, you know, there's, there's some videos on the internet that, uh, that kind of prove that. But what I found is a lot of these creators, uh, are, you know, really try to help within their niche and they feel that they have a, either a unique take or they've gone, gone so far and are quote unquote an expert in their particular thing. And they just want to share what they know. Um, and with authenticity being like the, the buzzword that's around a lot of these, um, creators and, and what, what they should be striving for. Um, I, I think that, you know, um, yeah, they, they should be, the best creators are authentically trying to help people. Um, and I think, you know, the other creators who are, might be more, um, self-absorbed give a bad rap, but I would say, you know, 90% of the YouTubers that I've come across, um, I don't need, I can't even think of a name of the other 10%, but are, are people who just want to help people at the end of the day, um, with their particular knowledge base or expertise or being entertaining or whatever it might be. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Cause you're kind of naming something that maybe sort of these stereotypes, like we know, well, no, maybe we don't, but a lot of people have heard the stat that, you know, how many young people like their dream job is not a policeman or a fireman. They want to mm-hmm. be a YouTuber or an Instagram or a TikTok star <laughs> or whatever. Uh, it used to be Instagram, I guess, TikTok's the latest TikTok's thing they the want to be, thing. but TikTok's the thing. But uh, yeah, like I guess what makes traditional news is like these extreme idiots yes, <laughs> <laughs> who are like, you know, posting videos about things that are like incredibly insensitive or offensive. Yeah. You know, I think of a guy, you know, a guy who was like glorifying suicide by going to this place where people do that and just like made a joke out of it. And, you know, that yeah, kind of a thing. There's always, um, you know, the, the small minority amongst the the group that kind of make a bad rap for, for everybody. But I, th- I think just uh, like zooming out a little bit, what I've, what I've noticed. And I think the, the trend that's happening within this space is if I, if I think of the four P's of marketing product, price, place, promotion, um, a lot of people consider influencers or creators as being very self-promotive. Like I'm the best and anything that I post is kind of proving that I'm, I'm the best. But I think the trend that's moving forward is actually more self-distribution. So uh, who, who is Joanna and how is she best communicating on Instagram or on YouTube or whatever? So it's less of a promotey thing. And I think the best creators and the best quote unquote influencers out there are looking at these social media platforms or things like YouTube um, as more of self-distribution platforms rather than self-promotion strategies or or self-promotion platforms. So I, so that's really helped me. Self-distribution. You mean literally like we're just trying to distribute the content or just, and not necessarily trying to promote myself. Is that what, is that the difference? Yeah. So, um, you know, Maddie is uh, a really good filmmaker and he's got a lot of insights on how to color grade and how to make your films look really good um, and all of what cameras to use and all of that. And it's less, I think his disposition is less, I'm Maddie and I'm awesome. Listen to me because I know uh, all the cameras that, that you should purchase. It's, hey, um, I'm going to use YouTube to share, to run through all the different, these different camera specs um, because through my expertise, I happen to know what cameras do what better and all that. And I'm going to share that with you. And ultimately you make the decision at the end of the day. So I, I think it's less of a promote look at me and more of uh, Hey, I just, I'm just going to share this through this particular platform. Um, And if I get followers, great. If not, it's, it's, I'm still kind of sharing um, and being generous with, with what I know. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Can we talk about that? This idea of like knowledge sharing and being generous? Um, because I think a lot of people like the, the classic thing people feel is like, well, if I give this away for free, what am I going to sell? Like, this is my expertise. Like, why would I put all this out for free on the internet? Um, like I want people to pay me for this. (laughs) Right. And and this is one of the, the interesting dynamics is there seems to be, um, something that happens when you give something away 
when you give, let, let's say, your expertise away for free, I've seen a lot of people who start doing that, and then they're getting invited to conferences to s- essentially say the same thing that they are saying for free, but just on the stage of of that platform. And I think there's a trust level that's there where if you have a lot of stuff that's you know out there on the internet. Uh, an event organizer is being like, I've watched this person for however many hours. I trust that, you know, if we bring them to our conference, they're going to, I essentially know what they're going to say. Um, and I think my audience will really resonate with that. And the audience that's coming to my conference might not be, uh, I, you know, the, the type that watches videos on YouTube all the time. So, um, so I, I actually yeah. want to introduce this person that I've been listening to for so long to the people that are coming to my particular conference. Right. Well, and maybe even more than that, like if you if you are the person who's watched all of Maddie's videos, mm-hmm. even if in person he says the same stuff, I would imagine it's very meaningful to see him in person, even if he did, even if the stuff he teaches you in person on a platform is the stuff he probably taught you. Yeah. What, I don't know, in five other videos. And what's interesting about YouTube, I think in particular, compared differentiating it from all the other um, social media platforms is you're in a totally different mindset when you watch a YouTube video. You're going, you're like, I have five, 10, 20 minutes to kill. I'm on lunch break. I'm going to watch a YouTube video um, versus on Instagram. You're like, uh, you know, I'm quickly waiting for a bus and, you know, I'm just like going to quickly- mindless scrolling. Mi- yeah. It's more of a mindless scrolling. Whereas- uh, I'm going to watch uh, a Maddie video or, or a YouTuber that I particularly like. And it's almost like catching up with a friend like that, that uh, internal subconscious thing is happening. So when, you know, uh, a creator is, is being a, a keynote speaker at a conference, there's going to be some people that um, are going to go just because they're like, oh, I've watched this person and they're kind of my friend. I'm excited to, to see my friend. And I don't think that's disingenuous. I think, um, I think it's just a, an interesting byproduct of having this longer form content and this longer form sharing on a platform like YouTube. Um, there's an anthropologist, I think his name's like Michael West, West, W-E-S-C-H or something like that. He did a, an, more of like an anthropological study on, on what's happening with YouTube. And if we were face-to-face right now doing this, it would be weird. Which if, we have no yeah. excuse not to be because we're right. We are five minutes apart. <laughs> it would be weird if I was, and this is going to sound creepy, staring at you the way I'm staring at you now. Like there's, there's yeah. no, there's no, like, I don't need to um, break eye contact or anything like that. Whereas if we're face to face, I'd be like, I'm staring at Joanna too much. I need to look away. Um, there's, there's some, there's some things that happen. And what, what this anthropologist said is, because people are essentially watching creators um, and almost like staring at them, there's a lot of these micro things that happen with our facial expressions that make us feel like we're connected with the creator more than we actually are because we're able to pay attention to those those micro facial things that are happening um, with them. And because of that, there there's some sort of uh, psychological thing that's happening um, and resonating, and you're and they're resonating with you more than even if you were telling them the exact same information face to face. So it's an interesting dynamic that's that's happening um, with creators um, and and that kind of relational feeling that's that's happening. And I think during the pandemic, what a lot of people have felt is like I, it's sometimes not the greatest, but I was able to maintain friendships over Zoom. Uh, during this pandemic. And I think there's there's a bit of that that was happening uh, with that. So the same thing I think is happening with a lot of creators um, as well. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's that just this, the, I, what's the anthropological part of it, the psychology of it? I don't, I'm not the expert, but we know that when we're in a room with a human on a platform and a screen that's filming that person, we are constantly drawing our eyes to the screen mm-hmm. when we could depending on how close we are, we could often like watch the person in person, but we're constantly being drawn to the screen. So there's something so powerful about that screen connection for better or for worse. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, that screen connection with these people. So, okay. Years ago when this podcast, where my digital started, if people want to go back and find it in the archives, I interviewed Maddie Hapoya Mm -hmm. when he was, I don't, I don't know the number, but it would have been maybe, 
let's call it like 400 or 500,000 mm. subs on YouTube. So he was, a, he was, I mean, that's a lot of people, but yeah. I mean, he's just so beyond that now, a few years later in terms of the size of his, uh, scope and influence. Um, but that's not the story of most YouTubers. Um, and, and as you are, you know, you're working with Maddie, but you're also, you, you live and breathe this world. So whether you want to use Maddie as the case study Mm -hmm. or somebody else, um, you know, what, what works about that? I don't mean like Tyler, give us your five tips for (laughs) growing your subscribers. I don't, I don't mean that, but just an honest sense of like, what is it about this? Um, that it has worked or what are you seeing in other trends of accounts that it just seems to work, that it does connect, that the power of talking to somebody through a screen has worked for them. Cause like lots of people post videos and there are people like me who have like a few hundred subs, like nobody's watching it. Yeah. I shouldn't say nobody. There are people, but you know, not in these kind of scales. So I'm going to start at a weird spot, but uh, yeah. I, th- I think it, I think it helps set the the stage. So was it the 1400s when the printing press uh, was, was invented and yeah, late 1400s, 1500s is like kind of like the internet existed in mm-hmm. the 1900s, but the 2000s yeah. is when it really like took off. So yeah. with, with the printing press, uh, because this is a Christian podcast, like the Bible was able to be printed and more people had access to it and, and kind of read it for themselves. And, you know, within a hundred, 200 years, the reformation happened. Um, and I think, you know, interestingly, I think the printing press had a role to play in that. And so there was a reformation of, you know, the, one of the biggest institutions of the time in, in the church, because of, you know, some new technology that came out. And a lot of people are equating this um, YouTube podcast audio video revolution that's happening. They're equating that to the printing press. Um, so I think what's happening is uh, is a lot of people are essentially going to an individual or going to a creator and bypassing these institutions to get some of their information Um around certain things and and institutions are trying to figure out what to do with that. And it's either rendering some institutions as fully not necessary. So, um, you know, Maddie's constantly saying on his channel, uh, you don't need to go to film school anymore. Uh, everything you need to know is on YouTube or um, courses that you can take outside of um, going. So, you know, save you know, $250,000 if you want to, if you're in the States and want to be a film (laughs) filmmaker, put that money into your gear, (laughs) into your gear. And if that's what you want to do, you can, you can bypass that whole filmmaking, um, sort of traditional way of doing things and you can get kind of get started right away. And so I, so I think, you know, what's happening with a lot of these creators is there's these particular pockets and niches of content that, doesn't need an institution to gatekeep the information. And so people are finding those particular things through things like YouTube or podcasts and um, digging into that and really expanding their knowledge base and going from there. Now, I, I, I would say that's that's on the positive side of things that, you know, QAnon and, you know, all of those things are kind of the, the negative examples of that when you bypass an institution that might be necessary to vet certain things you know, you, you can, you can go on the crazy side, but I think generally there is a positive association with sometimes bypassing, um, some of these traditional institutions. As an example, there's this one YouTuber that we're helping. He wants to create, a uh, a feature film. This, this last, um, this last year he's been creating short films, getting brands to sponsor, um, kind of videos around the pre-production, uh, the post-production behind the scenes, and then the actual video. And he's learned so much there. He's like, I think I'm ready to do a feature film. Um, so he's bypassing the whole traditional producer, um, industry, um, to even finance a, a feature length film. And, uh, and I think that's amazing because, you know, sometimes these institutions over time get bloated and, bigger than they actually need to be and end up gatekeeping. Well, and only their own friends get access. Right. You know, it's, you the, know, it's, it seems like who, you know, is why your film was yeah. made. 
Exactly. So I think what's happening is there's, I think some institutions are great. Like I want my doctor to have gone to like the full med school through that whole institution. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't want them to be a YouTube doctor. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) Although we all WebMD our own problems now. (laughs) That's real. But then I also, but then also I think what's, what's showcasing is a lot of institutions do need reform. They've turned into gatekeepers instead of, um, uh, you know, information dispensary places. And then I think there's other institutions that might not be needed anymore because of this audio video revolution that's happening. So I think all of those three things are are true and I'm not poo-pooing on any institutions, uh, but I think some are still needed. Some might need to be reformed and others might not be needed. And no, this get, is kind of getting into like organizational behavior, organizational theory, but no institution, no organization can re- can say to itself that it's no longer needed. So it's always going to try and per- perpetuate itself. Um, so it's up to, um, it. it's kind of up to the trends, recognizing the trends that are happening to decide whether or not um, you, you as an individual needs that institution. Um, and so I think, yeah, I, I've thought of this more recently, but either individuals break institutions which I think can be a model for Christ or uh, institutions break individuals. And I think um, there's an interesting mm. dynamic. And I think a lot of these creators on YouTube are actually breaking a lot of the traditional institutions, whether it be filmmaking, like in Maddie's niche, or um, ba- like we're helping a backpacker who kind of reviews all of, uh, you know, backpacking gear and stuff like that. And, you know, says, this is great. This is not so great. Quality is good. Quality is bad. Whereas previously people would need to actually go out and buy the thing and, you know, regret that purchase. And he's kind of helping people through a decision-making process, um, instead of, you know, spending, spending too much money on something that doesn't live up to the hype the conversation with Tyler to talk to you about compassion because we have a partnership with them for the month of June and we're trying to raise $4,000 to help a church small but mighty just 40 members who serve over 400 children youth and their families and they have this big vision because a lot of the students here are not just dealing with the regular problems that um, students we would think of as regular have they're also dealing with extreme poverty the challenges of poverty just multiply the other challenges of growing up and so we want to help them build this youth learning and sports center so that they can have a impact across generations we're talking about um, trying to help them do something not just for this year but something that will actually have ripples into many many years to come just this 40 person church with big vision if you're feeling jaded about church you're feeling frustrated with it all come and be part of this initiative a church that's doing amazing work amazing impact compassion.ca slash wmd that's for word made digital compassion.ca slash wmd please give join me would love you to be part of it well it's so true like how many of us maybe not in a really small purchase but how many of us have gone online to get a review uh, and you're trying to find the real reviews, yeah. not the sponsored reviews of, um, you know, some product out there that you, especially stuff that you've seen promoted on social media a ton. I know like the always pan is something that women <laughs> get a lot in their promo. It's some sort of cooking pan that's supposed to change your life. But then when you watch the reviews on YouTube, mm-hmm. people are like, ah, it's not that great. Yep. There's like lots of pans you could buy for 50 bucks that are just as good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know Maddie's wife has the always pan and she's a fantastic <laughs> chef. So, <laughs> um, well, I mean, as you're talking about this in relation to what's what the church thing and you bring it back to that printing press analogy, it's this sobering thing because you realize like <laughs> when communication means were more distributed in that time in history, it actually, as a result, allowed people to communicate more, think more, share more ideas. And also um, one of the byproducts of that was like the church split in two, mm-hmm. uh, Catholic, Protestant. Um, for better and for worse, there were things that needed to be shaken up. There was institutional stuff that was really um, corrupt that they were calling out. 
but then it's not, but they didn't like fix the problem and then all come back together. It's just like they carried on separate paths from there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm seeing that again. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe not just one, I think, because now it's not just two split. I think we could go five different ways. Like the church as an institution, it feels like it's splintering in a few different ways, a few different positions on issues. Um, I I mean, you and I've bantered about this stuff so much offline. I'd love to get in your head around um, when you think about not church, the institution, but church, the, like the people, uh, Christians, uh, and you're thinking around things like YouTube, you know, what are some of the things you think you could get excited about, or you think the places it's going to go, um, for like sharing Christian faith with people and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, one of the interesting things is being able to be in this space. I, I feel like there's a disproportionate number of Christians that are YouTubers, and I think there's, huh. and, and I think what's interesting is the industry term for a YouTuber is a creator. And I think that's quite a theological term when you, when you think about it deeply. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious and, and I'm an Enneagram five thinker. So I think a lot of maybe what I say or ponder, I, I haven't landed on, you know, this is definitively my opinion or anything like that. So, so if I'm heretical, I apologize, but uh, (laughs) it's, it's more like I'm curious or I'm wondering uh, these, these things. So one of the, one of the things that I've been thinking about is back in, I think when I was growing up in church, individualism was such a, was such a cultural trend being, being an individual. And so I think what the church did correctly. So is say, Hey, you actually need community. Um, and so, you know, what we provide as a, as a church is this, is this group that you can join and, and, you know, become part of a community. But what I'm noticing now in culture and society is group identity is might be more popular than individuality. And, and I'm curious to see if what the church needs to pivot to is encouraging people to be their God-given unique identity in Christ person self, instead of trying to create a group identity for them under a, under the guise of church culture or under the guise of a discipleship path. Um, and I'm curious as to what that might look like um, for a church to say, Hey, our, our goal is to make Joanna the new heaven, new heavens, new earth version of herself here and now, because we have access to who that is through Jesus. So instead of saying, Hey, we need, uh, we need a kids volunteer on Sunday, Joanna, don't pursue any of your personal, um, exciting things because the church needs, um, a kids, uh, volunteer and we need, you know, eight hours out of your, out of your week to, to go through training and, and do all that stuff. So I'm, I'm curious to see if the church embraces that trend, um, to really encourage people to be, um, to show the uniqueness of what it looks like to have your identity in Christ. I think Christians should have the healthiest identity. And if you, if you do have a healthy identity, you should be the type of person that is distributing yourself through social media platforms or YouTube or whatever it might be, if that um, is something that you're interested in. So I, so I think, yeah, I, I don't know if, if that well, prompts even any like questions the, for yeah, you. The, <laughs> like even the kind of the joke of, I mean, there's memes about it and stuff, but we all kind of know if we're in church culture, like even like how someone dresses, you can kind of tell like the kind of church, like, is this person like the Hillsong vibe, yeah, or, you know, Hillsong and the trends hat. change every yeah. five, the Hillsong hat, like five years ago, the black bomber leather jacket that mm-hmm. like, everybody was wearing, you know, five and 10 years ago. Like there were, I mean, there were been trends over time, but, and then like this group over here must be from the Southern Baptist and this group over here look like the Anglicans, like there's even like physically like a look that you have from joining the group and not all of that is bad, but you're right. Like where is then the, the sense of like the unique giftings, makeup, spiritual gifts, Mm -hmm. passions, et cetera, that that person has. 
Um, so I'll speak personally. Probably doesn't fit into the 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 plan you had right. so, <laughs> of the, your kids' volunteers. Yeah, I'll speak personally. So, yeah, for for me, when I was working at the church, I I wasn't enjoying my role, but. Um, and when I was kind of doing my devotions and things like that in Matthew, what kept jumping out at me was, um, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go and find out what this means. Um, so that kept jumping out at me and because Romans 12 says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And I couldn't reconcile those two, two things. I was like, do you want, and, and I did some word study and I think in Greek, there that mercy is tied to some sort of passion language. So how I was kind of thinking through it in my mind is that verse essentially says, I desire passion from you, Tyler, not sacrifice. But in Romans 12, it said, Hey, sacrifice, you need to be a sacrifice. So I couldn't reconcile those two things. And then it was probably like a couple months that I was thinking through that. And it finally hit me that in Romans 12, it says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And I realized I wasn't offering the fullness of who Tyler was as a sacrifice. I was offering the version of myself that I thought the church wanted me to be. And that, and then I, so I wasn't actually offering myself. I was, you know, offering kind of this empty vessel, um, which I think in a lot of evangelical church traditions, that's what they want. They kind of want the empty vessel to say, oh yeah, we need a uh, a church volunteer or something like that. Just, and, but I, I, so I think what I did from that point on was start trying to pay attention to just things that I like and things that I don't like, um, as a very simple step. And I've found things that I was actually like kind of pressed down passionate about. Um, and I started pursuing those things. So like, just as a quick example, I've done stand up comedy a few times. And so I, so with, with all of this thinking, I was, thinking through, okay, if, if heaven is real, we'll start there. It's going to be physical <laughs> because that's what the Bible says. Yeah. And if I regenerate- well, Like Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he wasn't a ghost. Yeah. He and, was physical. Like you could touch him. Yeah. He was physical. And the theology goes that, uh, well, if we want to know what heaven has looked like, let's look to what the earth was like pre, pre-sin. Um, the, and there was still work involved. It, there just wasn't the toil associated with that. So we'll be working physically in heaven, but we won't have the, the kind of the negative associations of, of work. So it's like, what would Tyler be doing in new heavens, new earth? What, what will he be doing? And I was thinking, I was like, I think, I think Tyler's kind of funny. He might be entertaining people. So why not try it? If, and if I have access to that Tyler through Jesus because of what he did on the cross, in theory, I think this all follows that I can start accessing that Tyler now um, through Christ. And that's actually a really great model for Christ. So I'm going to, I'm going to do stand up. And so it was a very like theological decision for me to start pursuing a passion uh, (laughs) of mine. And a theological decision to do stand up comedy. It's so good. (laughs) And and I like, what's interesting is I it was probably one of the funnest experiences that I've ever had. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Might do it, do it again. COVID kind of put an end to that, but it, there was no intrinsic value to it other than I just enjoyed it. And, um, and so I wonder how many people in the church or just in, you know, society in general who are trying to do all the, all the right things, but are ignoring that thing that's inside them. Um, because whether, you know, if you're in the church, you might hear the verses, you know, the heart is wicked beyond all things who can, who can know it. And you're like, well, I want to do stand-up comedy. That must be a selfish thing. Um, so I'm just going to ignore that. Um, or, you know, I really enjoy watching YouTube videos. I want to do it, but, you know, it's too self-promoting. So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. So I, th- I think, you know, new school church after this, like, maybe ref, mini reformation that's happening because of this audio video revolution is, is I think people, Christians exploring their passions and being in these networks or communities that they're just in because they enjoy it. So I've met so many people through this, this stand-up comedy space that I've had the ability to, um, either directly or indirectly sh- share my history, worked at a church, all the, all this stuff. 
And I wouldn't have been in that niche or that community otherwise. And I would never have access to them if I, you know, was stuck in the, what I think, you know, the institution of the church would say is the, the Christian thing to, to do or preach from the outside of, you know, you know, they're all sinners and and going to hell. I'm, I'm, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm in, I, and I had this realization with, I was in a stand-up comedy class and, you know, Emmanuel is the name of Christ God with us. And I realized that like any other context that I was with, with other people who weren't Christians, I was like, oh, God has me here for, you know, a, a reason or something like that. But it was the first time I was just sitting there. I was like, no, I'm, I'm with these people. Like I'm, I'm here because we're all, you know, trying to pursue this thing and I'm not, I'm not this churchy person. You're not person. on a secret mission. You're not on a Yeah, I'm not mission. on some secret miss- mission. Yeah. I'm just being myself. Huh. And right. I think that was a really, you know, incarnate like feeling that I had that um, was, I still, I still remember today. I still remember that sitting in that class being like, no, I'm, I'm with these people. Like I'm not, yeah, I'm not on some secret holy mission. I'm just being yeah. my authentic self. And I happen to be with these people. Well, and it's interesting, you know, as you say that, like, because I've noticed this sort of anecdotally as well, that there are a lot of YouTubers or YouTubers that have large followings that are Christian. So again, not out, out of like a secret mission, but it is like a place that people are finding connection, that they're mm-hmm. finding um, like a place to live out, as you say, like their passion, their the thing they love to do most and talk about it, the thing that makes them most come yeah. alive. And when people, I guess, and maybe say more about this, you know, when, when people see you excited and alive about something, they want to follow and learn yeah. more. They want to, um, yeah, like what do you think that is? Like when you think about, um, yeah, again, like kind of going back to the original question then around like what's making some of these accounts work on YouTube. I, I, th- um, I think passion yeah. is one of those things that's happening in the zeitgeist right now is, is what, yeah, what's the, what's that quote? Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive because what the world needs is somebody who's come alive. I, I think that's, that's very true. So, you know, if, if I'm, I I would say I'm more alive now than I was uh, being heavily involved in the church, uh, just full, full stop. And I've been able to have conversations with people saying like, how did you, you know, take that risk of leaving a stable job? And like, you, you, like you seem to be, you're doing standup comedy, like what is going on with you? And I, and so (laughs) I feel that that's much more um, indicative of what it means to be a Christian than, you know, what, Hmm. what the institution says is a, is a Christian where let's go to church on Sundays, let's uh, volunteer, let's cover all those things. And so I don't know, I, I'm rambling and I think I forgot your original question already, but I think what, I, what I'm saying is like, there's this passion thing that I think people are noticing because- Like it's attractive. The passion is mm-hmm. attractive. And I, and I think yeah. there's a point of relatability in that like even you don't have to have Christian history or even a Christian background to be like, I was told I go to school, I get a good job, I get married, um, I buy a house, but I'm still not super happy, but I've done all the right things. Like I, I can't, it's kind of the, their version of, you know, I desire mercy, not sacrifice or offer yourself as I've done all the right things, but I'm still not, not feeling the way I was told that I would be feeling by, by all this. So I, I think encouraging people um, or, or these people seeing somebody passionate about something and pursuing something a bit unorthodox is starting to, trigger something within them to be like, oh man, like there's something about this, whether I'm not passionate about cameras, but I'm watching this guy because he's passionate about cameras. What, what am I passionate about? And so I think there might be some, some things that's stirring up in people as they watch some of these creators to be like, I need to find something 
whether that's golf, whether that's baking cookies, whether that's, you know, making candles, um, yeah. pottery, Cause you're right. I mean, when you're, yeah, when you're talking about Maddie as the example here, as the illustration of, you know, million and whatever subscribers, I can't imagine because there's people like me who follow him. We're not filmmakers, but we're connecting to his storytelling and we're mm-hmm. connecting to his passion for what he does, even though, you know, I, you know, he'll, if he reviews a camera lens, he's going to lose me. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean is lose, like, I, I don't mean lose me as a subscriber. I mean, like I, it's yeah. the information is very technical and kind of beyond my understanding of cameras. <laughs> I don't know. I got the iPhone and I press play and it works, Yeah. but <laughs> um, yeah, well, and so maybe that leads me then to, to digging into, you have a clothing company now. Yeah. So um, how did, so the, the, the pastor turned, uh, YouTube manager turned brand clothing brand creator. Uh, I mean, maybe connect the dots for us. What, mm-hmm. tell us about this, tell us about the brand and help us connect the dots of what we can learn from what you're up to. Yeah. I th- going back to kind of the mentoring YouTubers and, uh, and, I think YouTube is, and this whole space is one giant experiment in identity. Um, and so what, once I think Maddie is, is this is, I'm, I'm a very small percentage owner. Maddie's the, Maddie's kind of the, the face, the face of it. But um, what's this, the, this clothing line is an expression essentially of Maddie and his values. And so, I think what's happening with with YouTube, and this is where like kind of the institution individual thing comes comes out as well, is I th- what typically happens is I I want to be seen a certain way, so I'm going to buy clothes, you know that that kind of represent that of me. And I th- Maddie's at a particular size where instead of you know partnering with somebody, we 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 have a, a network size that we're, we're probably somebody is interested in fashion and has the whole supply chain. So let's, you know, see if there's any opportunity here. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and it's essentially just another expression of who Maddie is, um, mm. it, it, thinking through that self-distribution mindset. Right. So just and maybe say, say more about the clothes because yeah, you're talking like, it, how can clothes represent you? Like yeah. some people are not going to get, you're losing I them know, already. I, like, what do you it's, mean? It's like, been it's a horrible t-shirt. explanation. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, man, uh, Maddie's Finnish Scandinavian. Uh, so it's Scandinavian inspired streetwear. It's very, very plain, very minimal, specific, like very similar to, to Maddie, but there's all, always it's very high quality though, which is very similar to Maddie's foot, uh, videos and oh, all yeah. that. I've touched, I've touched those t-shirts. Yeah, they're, they're surprisingly nice. And there's <laughs> all of these high quality fabrics. There's all, all of these small little details, um, that when you look closely, you're like, Oh, the designer is, has actually paid a ton of attention to this particular garment. Mm. Um, and so I think that's also similar to what Maddie's done on YouTube and the films that he's, that he's made and stuff like that. The closer you look from color grade, the, the transitions, the storytelling are all these fine, fine tuned details that, you know, keep people's attention over, mm. over time. And so I think those values, those principles also have translated into now a clothing line. And this is the kind of the unique expression side of things where he's has always been interested in, in fashion and in clothing. So this, this was an organic thing and by proxy and by me, you know, being the entrepreneurial person I am, um, has helped with that. So as part of that, I, I now somehow am part owner of a Scandinavian inspired streetwear <laughs> brand. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you just, yeah. it just means you don't really have to go shopping for clothes anymore. I see what you were up to. Yeah, exactly. I feel much cooler now. Pausing the conversation with Tyler to talk to you about podcasts because if you like podcasts, it's probably why you're listening to this podcast. Well, the Canadian Bible Society has a new podcast. It's called Scripture Untangled. We know that the Bible can feel really overwhelming or confusing or just hard to believe sometimes. Scripture Untangled brings you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers to inspire you to dive into the Bible and understand it. Season one is bringing you influential voices 
voices from across Canada and beyond, sharing both the impact of scripture in their own life, how it has affected them, and also how they've honestly wrestled with big, important questions of faith in Christ and the content of scripture. Join us on this journey as we untangle scripture. Together, you can subscribe and share it today wherever you listen to podcasts. Scripture Untangled. Well, and and at the same time as all this is happening, you know, you're managing stuff. You you know, you've got this dabble in the comedy world. You've got the clothing company. Um, tell us a little bit about your own process of joining YouTube because you're managing all these other YouTubers. You're seeing what they have done. So has that felt intimidating to you to start your own channel when like you're working with, you know, some of this top YouTube talent? Um, you know, how are you approaching that yourself? Yeah. I, again, this is one giant experiment in, in identity. Um, so I think what I've come to, come to like work through is how do I explain this? So my, let's, let's say, um, I've created a video and it's the perfect expression of who Tyler is who Tyler is as best as it can be through a digital video format. And let's say all 7 billion people on earth see it. And there's a number of people that will say, Oh yeah, I really like what this guy's saying. And there's going to be a whole ton of people who like, nah, I don't like what this guy's saying and I'm not going to. So let's say that not that out of 7 billion people in the world, see, see this video, and 10,000 people are like, yes, I like what this guy is saying and, and I'm going to kind of uh, subscribe to him and, and watch his stuff. I'm, and that's my authentic person. I might be able to perform at a level that might get me a million subscribers, but it won't be my authentic self. So I might be able to do things. Right. Oh, I might be able to copy bits of Maddie, copy bits of other YouTubers and kind of create this character that isn't actually my true self, but, and I might be able to get a million subscribers and that, that might be at least on the outside, that feels like the right goal when you're working in this, in this space is I want to get the maximum number of subscribers um, because that's just what you do. And I'm going to change. Well, that's how you make money. That's and, how you, I'm going to know. change who yeah. I am to appeal to the mass amount of people and, or the, the people that I want to try and appeal to the most. But I think what happens is the, the gap between my authentic self, let's say 10,000 or 10,000 subscribers and the performance version of myself that could get a million subscribers. If I'm performing anything above 10,000 subscribers, that's just going to be so anxiety inducing and Mm -hmm. I'm going to be stressed out, burnt out over time. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be good. So my my uh, my goal is to try and be try and express myself as authentically as possible, and it's almost an experiment. Like, wh- like I I really think this video topic is interesting. Oh, it only got two hundred views. Um, like, it it's 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 less of like an ego hit or that I didn't perform well or anything like that. It's like it's more of like a science experiment experiment every single time that I try a video is like, I'm interested in this. Is anyone else? Um, and so I think that that's, that's been a mindset. So I, I don't feel intimidated when I'm, you know, rubbing shoulders with people who have hundreds of thousands or millions of subscribers. And I have, you know, 700 or something like that with like a hundred views on my videos because it's, I'm, I'm more just, you know, wanting to share what I know and, and, uh, I'm, and yeah. I think what's interesting is I didn't understand or I didn't fully realize the networking um, opportunities that even have come up from the few videos that I've posted and the some of the business people that I've been able to connect with um, who, who are more on the business entrepreneurial side of things maybe watch my video. Um, they, they represent other YouTube creators or something like that. We're able to connect and have, and have a good conversation. Um, and you know, maybe do something down the road. Had I not put that content out, I would have, um, I would have not made that content or sorry, 
I would have not made that contact. And so there, there's value in it outside even the just the numerical you know, follower count or, or views that I'm, I'm noticing is happening that I didn't, I I didn't foresee. And I guess the, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's so interesting what you're saying. Just the idea of like, it's, it's, it's like a, your resume or your CV is sort of being put out how you think, how you approach things is being put out in the world. It was less, it's less about the views because this isn't how you make a living uh, off YouTube. You mean you make a living in other ways. Um, so you're like not tied to trying to chase the numbers. You're trying to put yourself out there in a way that connects with other people. Yeah. And I think um, the the final piece to that is uh, I'm, like I mentioned, an Enneagram 5 thinker. And when an Enneagram 5 is healthy, they act more like an 8, which is a challenger, which is sharing what they know or sharing their opinion and all of that. So I have a, a few mentors in my own life that are encouraging me to not just stay in my head, but to, you know, share that and it might be helpful for other people. So for me, as somebody who, um, when I did the Enneagram thing, eight was actually, I think my lowest, um, ranked thing, but a healthy five acts like an eight. So it's, it's been part of my journey with, with them who are mentoring me to, to, you know, bring that, eight up in me. And so even just hitting upload after sharing some thoughts, I think I'm considering that a win. If people watch it, great. Uh, If not, it's a, it's a win in and of itself. And, and ironically, I think people who have that attitude when they're producing content, Hey, I just want to share this. You know, I've been thinking about it. I'm going to share it. There, there's some sort of sixth sense authenticity thing that sometimes people feel and connect with. And that might be the thing that that goes viral or whatever. But when that turns into a strategy, it automatically ruins it. So it's kind of this fine balance of, of, you know, being comfortable in who you are. And I'm coming back to this identity thing, this whole conversation, but yeah, this, this is kind of who I am, what I'm thinking about. Um, Hopefully you like it. If not, um, just me sharing it has kind of been an internal win for myself anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and everything I'm hearing you say, you know, kind of back to the earlier conversation around the institutional stuff, why institutions of any kind, whether it's Procter and Gamble trying to sell you cereal or it's a church trying to get you to, you know, join their kids ministry programs. Uh, why they struggle, why the institution struggles. It's hard to (laughs) do all these things you were saying to do with this sort of personal sense of passion, identity. Um, There's not an agenda that you're bringing at this point around um, trying to get, I mean, obviously you want people to watch it, but you're, you're not, the goal isn't how can I make a brand deal right now? You're just um, putting the content out. Yeah. Um, and I think what yeah. happens with brands and institutions, organizations, it, it's harder for people to connect with them online than it is an individual. Um, so, and I, and actually I think the ch- church, anytime I hear the church talk about social media, they're, they're having a negative, there's, they're talking about celebrity pastor in such like a negative sense, but I think mm. it's just a byproduct of human nature. So I think we're, we're shaming something like I'm going to, fo- I'm going to follow the lead pastor of a church more than I'm going to follow the, the actual church because that's, it's more human nature for me to connect with a human than it is a brand. And I think what happens is anytime I see a post from a brand subconsciously or maybe consciously something happens like this, this brand wants something from me. Um, whereas with a person, there's a chance that they're just sharing something and being generous to connect. And, and I think there with a brand, there's always, there's always going to be that disconnect. Um, but with a person, at least there's a chance that they're being authentic. Uh, and I'm going to, you know, connect, I might be able to feel a, a sense of connection with, with them. So I think, I think celebrity pastor gets a bit of a a bad rap because I think it's just more, more just human nature. Mm. Like I think, uh, somebody who's interested in church might not, you know, identify as a churchgoer or Christian, but they're interested in somebody is going to follow a pastor first before they probably follow that particular church, church brand. Mm. Um, so I, um, I can't remember why I brought that up, but I, I say that to, um, to just, help people understand that like it's, it's the people connect with people. Um, 
And yeah. and people over institution is what you just keep saying in tons of different ways in this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uprooting systems like, hey, we can start a clothing company as some YouTubers because we have access to these systems and yeah. can have a product that links with our, you know, our personal brand and sort of how we present ourselves in the world. I think that's really cool. Hey, I've got some um, rapid fire, you could say, some quick questions for you as we close. And then I'm going to ask, you know, then we'll want to know, like, how do people find you on the internet? Sure. But um, first question, what's the best spot that you've traveled that other people should go to uh, they may not have gone to before? This might be recency bias, but I just got back from uh, Norway and specifically Lofoten. It's um, about an hour and a half flight north of Oslo. And it is absolutely stunning. And huh. like, so just Google Lofoten. And it's north. It is. It's like it way north. north. Um, but we were there kind of in the winter, um, but go a bit in the summer because apparently, you know, the sun doesn't hit. So you can go out on like a hike at like 8 p.m. and it'll be sunny. And wow. if you're into photography and all of that, you get this nice golden hour for, you know, most of the day. So everything wow. looks very epic. You'll get a ton of likes because that's what everyone's known. It just ruined <laughs> everything that I shared about, you know, being an individual right there. Hey, what's a, what's a book that has changed how you think about something? Donald Miller's coming to my mind. I, I, I consume a lot of Donald, Donald Miller books. Um, I think his, uh, I think I've resonated with his journey of, um, he's got a new book out called, uh, something about a hero. And I apologize to Don, Donald Miller if he ever hears this. Um, but he's, he's got a, a, a book <laughs> essentially about playing the hero in your own story. His, his real, his story brand framework has, uh, is, is also helpful, I think on a personal level for people as well. Um, so I think Donald Miller's story brand, this uh, hero on a mission is the book. It just came to my mind. Um, oh yeah, there it is. Is, uh, is um, a good one. Hey, what's a movie, whether from childhood or recently, a movie that has made you cry? Oh, Homeward Bound. You know uh, that, that'll make you cry all the time. When the dog comes. It's so good. <laughs> um, but there, uh, more recent, there's a show. Um, on Amazon Prime called As We See It. It's with uh, one of my favorite comedians right now, Rick Glassman. But it's following three autistic people um, in their early, mid-20s. And I was just like bawling through that whole... It's it's a TV show. It's a whole series. Wow. But uh, uh, the whole cast... Is, or the main characters are all autistic in real life as well. Um, oh, so it's interesting. an interesting um, dynamic. But that, yeah, that, that was a tearjerker. Uh, your go-to, you're at the ice cream shop. There's 50 flavors. What's your go-to? Mint chocolate chip. Always, uh, always a good. Do you upgrade to the waffle cone or you stick with the cone they give? Waffle cone (laughs) or just if they have got like a waffle bowl, I think that's a, that's a good one too. Oh, the bowl. You're going all out. Okay. And the last question is simply, uh, where do you want to send people to find you on the internet to you? You've talked about your YouTube or is there a website, your Instagram? Where do you want to send people? We'll link it in the show notes. Uh, just go to my Instagram, Tyler Richard Wells at Tyler Richard Wells, and you can probably get to everything else. Tyler Richard Wells from there. Awesome. Tyler, Richard Wells, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Um, I'm hearing my dog is under the desk and I don't know if you can hear her through the mic, but she's expiring, which means this conversation is coming to an (laughs) end. It's dinner time for Uh, Pearl. She has let us know that we've, we've talked long enough. It's dinner time for the dog. Um, Thank you so much, Tyler. Uh, You know, watch this space, everybody follow Tyler's YouTube journey, track with the, the kind of mentorship, you know, also like obviously, he's connected to these other creators. So just following him is fun to see sort of behind the scenes on some of these other creators you may know that he's working with. Um, Thanks, Ty. Cool. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Tyler Wells, thank you so much. Go check out his YouTube channel. Go find him on there. And next week we have Lisa Sharon Harper joining us on the podcast. She's author, speaker, justice warrior, and her work has been featured in media outlets that you've definitely heard of all over the world. You're going to lean in and listen and learn something new if you join us on the conversation next week with Lisa Sharon Harper.
Thanks so much to our sponsors, to Scripture Untangled, the new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society. Go check it out today. To Compassion Canada, we would love you to join us. Give $40 so that 40 people in the church can serve 400 students and youth and kids and their families. We need $4,000 total to help build this sports and learning center. It would be so meaningful if you would join us. Join me. I've given myself. I would love for you to be part of it. Also, of course, if you want more of this, find us on YouTube and subscribe here for more podcasts. Uh, We have a whole back channel, backlog, I should say, on the channel of tutorials and resources for you, all kinds of free stuff to help you as a communicator of the best news in the world in this digital age. Other than that, as always, we will find you on the Digital Church Facebook group. We're there all through the week. That's where you can ask a question. That's where we'll engage in conversation and we would love to see you there. And then we'll see you next week with Lisa Sharon Harper. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Rate it and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world.